Happy Easter and thanks for joining us here at Life Church, where we are one church meeting in multiple locations and reaching around the world thanks to the help of Church Online. If you want to learn more about Life Church or if you have any questions, you can just go to our website at life.church or you may be able to find what you're looking for and stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Life Church app available for free wherever you download your apps from. Well, today we start a brand new message series that takes popular songs and pulls biblical truth right out of them. I believe it'll have the power to not only change how you listen to the song, but the way you live your life. So let's join our senior pastor, Craig Rochelle, for a very special Easter message and part one of Playlist. Hey, welcome today to all of our life churches. I want to welcome you and tell you happy Resurrection Weekend. This weekend we celebrate that the tomb is empty, Christ is risen from the dead. Who's ready to have a little bit of church? Anybody ready to have some church this weekend? We are launching into a brand new four-part message series called Playlist. You may think, what in the world uh, is this about? Well, if you read the Gospels, what's really interesting about Jesus is he was incredibly creative in the way that he would teach. Uh, A lot of times Jesus would tell stories that were very relevant to the culture in that day, and then he would bring spiritual truth out of the stories or the parables that he would actually tell. What we're gonna do in this message series is actually similar. We're gonna take very popular songs out of culture today, and we're gonna pull spiritual truths out of those different songs. And so whenever you hear these songs, maybe in the future, you might have a spiritual memory that will draw you back to what God is saying today. There's four weeks, this is week number one. Next week, I think is my favorite of all four weeks. Today, this message is dedicated to those of you that maybe feel like giving up. As we celebrate the resurrection, a lot of people have kind of that Sunday faith. Some of you may feel a little bit more like it's Good Friday, where it's a little bit darker in your life right now, where you find yourself perhaps with some questions, maybe a little bit discouraged, maybe you're hopeless in one area of your life or another. It's my prayer that this message will speak to you today if you find yourself in a place where you're actually asking some spiritual questions or maybe struggling um, and considering giving up. In fact, what's interesting when you think about it is so often in life, the greatest blessings that we have are on the other side of not giving up. How many of you would agree that in your life right now, some of the greatest blessings that you have uh, are here because you didn't quit on something in the past? Uh, It's uh, very emotional to me to think about this, Uh, Amy and I will actually celebrate 26 years of marriage this May. We are uh, just getting started and falling in love and we got some real momentum. You know what I'm saying, 26 years in. And uh, what's interesting is I almost didn't follow through in pursuing her. I almost walked away. I'll tell you a story I don't think I've ever told publicly, but our first date actually never happened. It's exactly right. Amy stood me up on our first date. Can you believe that she had a shot at this and didn't show on the first date? She didn't at all. The story behind the story is that I was kind of a new Christian. It was like very bold in my faith. And there was this girl that was making fun of me going, you know, you are the weirdest 
overboard Christian guy I've ever met in my whole life. And she was making fun of me. And she came back a few weeks later and said, oh my gosh, I met a girl at another school who's just like you. She's weird for Jesus, just like you, and you've got to meet her. And that's how I heard about Amy. So I had never seen her. She had never seen me. This was back before you could stalk somebody on social media. So we just kind of had to go with it, you know, how, how, you know. And so I called her back on a landline. Some of you don't even know what that is, but you got to go a long way back. And, and I had my first conversation with her, really liked her, and I kind of thought she liked me. And so I said, hey, how about we get together? And she's like, well, I don't know you. I'm like, well, you know, but if you did, you'd like me. And how are you gonna know unless we get together? She goes, all right, I'll consider it. What do you wanna do? I said, well, tonight I'm playing a uh, big tennis match down at the center. Maybe you can come catch the end of it. And then, you know, if you like what you see, we can go out and maybe have a little dinner afterwards or whatever. And she's like, all right, I'll probably do that. Well. I have never gotten more ready for a tennis match ever. I mean, I put two kind of hair product in, extra cologne. I found the shortest tennis shorts ever. And back in the day, short ones were short. These could have sent me to hell. They were so short, you know? And I, I, put, I got my shirt just right. I actually painted on my tennis racket uh, and I could verify this with Amy if she had been there, but she wasn't there to verify it. I painted a cross on the strings, just to show her how incredibly spiritual I am. I'm gonna impress her with this. And I got there and I'm ready, and I'm playing. There's, you know, maybe a hundred people watching this match or so. And I'm like looking up in the stands the whole time. And when I crack a winner, I just kind of look up there <laughs> wondering, you know, and I, you know, kind of pinch my backside, getting ready. You know, what it just, you know, you, know, you gotta work what you got, you know, and I'm going for this stuff. And the whole time I'm looking up there wondering, who is this girl, where is she? After the match was over, I kind of walked up and I, I won the match like, hey, great match, great match. I'm looking around, I'm looking for her, I'm looking around. There's a bunch of guys, there's no girls my age. And before long, everybody left. Now they're all alone. Our first date didn't happen. She stood me up. So I'd like to say I got over it and it was all cool and stuff. But I just decided she lost her chance. That's it. Game over. Do not pass go. Do not collect Craig Rochelle as your husband. You know, and, and, and that's kind of my thought. And I was so mad. Like, it's it never going to happen. Well, thankfully, thankfully, there was a girl that knew both of us. That was like, you need to pull your head out. And you go call her up. She's smart not to come see you. You could be a psycho guy. And she talked me into making the second call after being stood up the first time. And I am so glad I did that. One of my sons, Sam, said, I'm so glad you did that or I wouldn't be here today. When you think about it, the six kids I have wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be the person that I am today. We wouldn't be having church in this building together had that not happened. And on the other side of the temptation to walk away are some of the greatest blessings. I've told this story before, but I want to say it again. And it's impossible to describe what this means to me. But um, when I was a young pastor serving in a denominational church, I went before the ordaining board. And it was a group of leaders that would say, you're now ready to be ordained. And they declined me for ordination. If you've been here, you've heard me tell this, but they said, you're not um, we're not going to be, we're not going to be ordained this year. And we're going to put you on probation because your ideas are too weird, blah, 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 blah. I had no idea that was actually a compliment, but it was really devastating at the time. And so I drove home from that meeting being declined. The only candidate, um, to my knowledge for many years, it was ever declined. I got my red geo prism, cried all the way home, mostly because I was declined for ordination, but partially because I wasn't a red geo prism. I was crying my eyes out, right? 
And um, I just decided, maybe I'm not called to ministry. Maybe I need to walk away and quit. Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do. And I had a conversation with my pastor, Pastor Nick Harris, that I can remember like it was yesterday. And Nick just, you know, I said, I think I should probably quit. If, they, if these people don't think I'm called to ministry, then I should probably not do this. And Nick put his hands behind his head. He put his feet up on the desk. And, and he said, now, Craig, he said, if God was going to do something amazing through somebody, and you were the devil and didn't want it to happen, what do you think you would do to that person? I said, well, I'd probably try to talk him out of doing it. He said, yeah. And he said, so I got a question for you. Are you going to let the devil talk you out of doing what God created you to do? And it landed. I want to say to somebody, and I don't know who this is for, but on the other side of the trial that you're considering walking away from, maybe the greatest blessing of your whole life, are you going to let the devil talk you out of something that God called and created you to do? This message is dedicated to someone who feels like giving up and walking away. May I remind you on this Easter weekend that our battle as Jesus followers is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities of this dark world. The reality is that there is an enemy that hates God. There is the prince of darkness that hates the kingdom of light and all the forces of hell will try to stop the purposes and power of God moving forward in your life. And that's the very reason so often when you feel like giving up the most, it's because you have an enemy who's trying to talk you out of what God has called you toward. You have to remember in life that so often the most meaningful times in life or on the other side of the greatest trials. This is why I would love for you to write this down if you're taking notes, and this will help introduce our song for today, and that is this. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to quit on whatever matters most. And I don't know who it is right now, but you're considering it. You're thinking about quitting. It may be on someone, it may be on a dream, it may be on school, it may be on church, it may be on God, it may be on any number of different things. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to quit on what matters most. But the good news is you only need one good reason to stay the course. You only need one good reason to stay the course. And those big thoughts will introduce our song for today. It's actually a song called A Million Reasons. We invited uh, Brandon Frazier. He's one of our worship pastors. He leads at the South Broken Arrow location. We asked him to do this song, and when you hear his vocals, you'll know why. But behind the scenes, I want you to know a little bit of his story because he had a million reasons to walk away on with everything that mattered. When he hit a tough spot in life, instead of turning to the right place, he actually turned toward alcohol. And he's very public about this story, but he became overly dependent on alcohol in a way that about ruined his life. And every voice was saying, walk away, go another way, go another direction, walk away, walk away, walk away. And there was one good reason he stayed. That reason, his name is Jesus. And he sings this song today out of his story. There's a million reasons to walk away, but God gave him one good reason to stay.
For those of you who may want to give up, for those of you who may want to walk away, for those of you who hear the voice of the enemy telling you it's time to quit when you know God has called you to go on, I want to show you the words of Jesus when he continued to press on when it would have been so much easier to give up. John told it this way in John chapter 12, verse 23. John said, now the time had come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. In other words, it was time for Jesus to give his life. Verse 27, Jesus said this. He said, now my soul is deeply troubled. This wasn't physical anguish. In many ways, it was much more than this. It was deep agony of the soul because Jesus knew the torture and the suffering that was to come. And Jesus asked this, this very honest question, should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? In other words, God, I know what's coming. I know what they're gonna do to me. Should I ask you permission to do it another way? I know I'm called to give my life, but the human side of me doesn't wanna do it this way. I, I, is there any other way? In another gospel he prayed, may this cup of suffering be removed from me, but not my will, yet your will be done. Should I pray, God, can I go another way? Because Jesus knew what was coming. He, he knew not only the physical pain, he knew the emotional pain of being rejected by Judas. Have you ever been crushed by a friend, betrayed by a friend, lied about or let down? 
He knew the pain that was coming, but not just from Judas, but from Peter and all the others that wouldn't be there at the cross. And Peter, the one who said, I'll always be there for you. I'm your guy. If everyone else lets you down, I'll never let you down. And then a little girl says, do you know Jesus? And Peter's like, Jesus who? I don't know who you're talking about. He knew that he would experience that rejection. He knew they would beat him beyond recognition that with their signet rings, they would pound his face again, bloodied and bruised so much so that he didn't even look like a human being. He knew that they would take the whips laced with glass and rocks and, and st stripe his back again and again and again so that very likely his internal organs would even be exposed. He knew that they would then throw him down on a wooden cross, back in pain and drive stakes through his hands and through his feet. And they would lift him slightly off the ground, very likely naked and shamefully exposed, hanging, suffering, having to pull himself up just to get a breath as people came by and mocked him, hated him, verbally assaulted him, and even worse than him, took shots at his father. And he knew they would take a crown of thorns and place it on his brow and mock him saying, King of the Jews, hey, you saved others, save yourself. And he knew, probably the worst of all, is that when he became sin, his father would look away. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The loneliest moment at the lowest point of his life. And Jesus knew all this was coming. He knew it was coming. And he said, should I pray that I be removed from this? Set me free from this hour. The next verse to me is so powerful. There may be a million reasons to walk away, but you only need one reason to stay. And this is what Jesus said. My soul is deeply troubled. Father, should I pray? Save me from this very hour. And then he said this. Say it with me, all of our churches. He said, but this is the very reason I came. This is the very reason I came. The devil may give you a million reasons to walk away, but you just need one good reason to stay. This is the very reason I came. What was the reason Jesus came? Who did he come for? Let me give you a hint. He didn't come for the righteous, but he came for sinners. He didn't come for the healthy, but he came for the sick. He didn't come for religious people. He came to set the captives free. If you've ever felt ashamed of something you've done, if you've ever felt dirty because of your sin, if you've ever felt unworthy or unlovable or unwanted, Jesus came for you. Jesus came for you. This is the very reason that he came. And when everything human in him wanted to walk away, he stayed the course, why? Because you just need one good reason to stay. It's amazing what you can endure when you have a reason, isn't it? It's amazing what you can endure when you have a reason. Those of you CrossFitters, it's amazing what you can endure when you have a reason. How many CrossFitters do we have? CrossFitters, God bless you, I see the hand, Jesus can set you free. What are you gonna do? This guy wakes up at five in the morning and takes a tire bigger than a Honda Accord and throws it around, jumps up on boxes, does wall balls. Why? 
for the payoff on the other end, I, I think, or something. There's a million reasons I don't do CrossFit and they're all called burpees. <laughs> and all God's people said, Amen. A to the man, A to the man, ah, glory to God, right? Yeah, you, know, you, you know, what is it? Someone who's going through, paying off debt, working two jobs, uh, or, or, or helping their spouse get through college. How, how do you do that? You do it for the reason on the other side. I've got a friend going through chemo right now, and you, you look at what, the, 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 what, what a person will endure. Who would ever want to go through chemo? You'll do it when there is a reason, a vision for a cancer-free life on the other side. Uh, Amy had six kids. Who wants to go this? Six times, okay? The, the moment you hold the blessing, what happens? Every bit of pain and suffering was worth it because it's amazing what you can endure when you have a reason. It's amazing what Jesus was able to endure when he had a reason. I don't know who it is, but there's gonna be something that you're gonna wanna quit on. Some of you, there, there, there could be a marriage hanging by a thread right now and there's a million reasons you could walk away, but all you need is one good reason to stay. Some of you, there's a vision for something. You've been working toward it, and now you've got some opposition, and you feel like you've taken you know, a few steps forward, now so many steps back, and you're ready to just give up on it. All you need is one good reason to stay the course. There may, may be those of you who spiritually, so you, know, you prayed and God didn't do what you wanted him to do, and you're like, I'm, I'll forget this thing. I, I may just walk away from God. And you need one good reason to stay the course. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to walk away. And all you need is one good reason to stay. What was it that kept Jesus on the course? How did he keep going? The, the author to the Hebrews tells us exactly how. Hebrews chapter 12, verses two and three. This is so emotional to me. But, but the author said this, for the what? Let's all say this aloud. For the, for the joy. For the, for the what? Let's say it aloud and say it with a smile. When you say joy, you got to smile. For the what? For the for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured all of the suffering on the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For the joy set before him. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to walk away and all you need is one good reason to stay the course. I love the lyrics in the song that, that we heard. I wanna read them to you again. And this is how the song goes. I bow down to pray. I try to make the worst seem better. Lord, show me the way to cut through all this worn out leather. I've got a hundred million reasons to walk away, but baby, I need some babies to help me out here. But baby, say it with me. I just need one good one to stay. But baby, I just need one good reason to stay. Jesus needed just one good reason to press through the pain. And what was his reason? Do you know what his reason was? His reason was the joy set before him. What was the joy? Don't miss it. You were the joy set before him. Jesus needed one good reason to stay and you were his reason. You were his joy for the joy set before him of what his suffering would do for you, for the joy set before him. Jesus did it for you. In fact, he would talk about how much the one would matter. He said, if a shepherd has 99 sheep and one gets away, what would the good shepherd do? The good shepherd would leave the 99 to pursue the one. 
Jesus would leave them to pursue the one. You are the one for the joy set before him. Jesus endured the pain of the cross. It's amazing what you can endure whenever you have a vision. He needed one reason. Whenever mankind was at his worst, Jesus was at his best. When they mocked him, when they hated him, when they insulted his father, Jesus looked up to heaven and he prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. When he had a million reasons to take a different road, he could have called legions of angels down at the spoken word and, and rid himself of all of the torture of the people. But Jesus stayed on the cross, God in the flesh, and finished his calling, looked up to heaven and said, Teletestai, it is finished. Into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. And he gave his life. Why did he do it? He did it for the joy set before him. And you were that joy. He did it for you, for the joy set before him. Jesus gave his life and the world went dark. The earth shook. Everyone around stepped back in terror. Oh my gosh. Friday night, the one that they believed might be the Messiah was now dead, devastated. We have no hope. That was our dream. We believed he, he was perhaps the one who would save us. And now he's no longer there. Saturday morning, the disciples are in panic. What are we gonna do? Where are we gonna live? We left everything to follow him. And now he's no longer with us. Saturday afternoon, that empty, hollow, desperate feeling, half angry, disappointed, terrified, scared to death. Saturday evening, our life is over. What, what are we gonna do? Sunday morning. It's amazing. It's amazing how the world can change in a few days when God is involved. It's amazing how the world can change in a few days when God is involved. It's amazing how the world can change in a few days when God is involved. It's amazing. And a couple of ladies went out to where Jesus was buried and they noticed the stone was rolled away. And when they looked inside, the tomb was empty. Jesus was not there. He was risen from the dead. Because of his perfect work, death was conquered. Satan was crushed under his feet. There was no longer the power of death, hell, and the grave holding us back. Now, because of his perfect work, our sins could be forgiven. What was it that drove Jesus to endure the suffering? It was the joy set before him. It's amazing what we can endure when we have 
a reason. The most meaningful times in life often follow the most difficult trials. And I declare that today and hang on to it by faith because right now my family is in one of the more difficult trials that we've had. And I won't go into details because if I did, I'd start crying in front of you. And I did it at worship night and I almost didn't recover. But we're praying and we're believing and we're praying and we're believing and we're praying and we're believing and we have not yet seen the answer. And when every voice in our head says, God will never answer, it'll never happen, give up, give up. We hold on to the one reason. All things are possible with God. The Savior of the world, God made flesh. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. Our rock, our redeemer, our savior, our sanctifier, the lion of Judah, the risen, conquering, soon returning king and king, king, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the great I am, the door, the good shepherd, the living water, the living bread that nourishes our soul. We hang on, we hang on, we hang on, we hang on. When everything else says give up, when everything else gives up, he endured the suffering for the joy set before him. If he did it for me, we'll hang on believing for him. How did Jesus hang on? He knew, he knew. It takes a death to have a resurrection. He knew it takes pain to have progress. He knew it takes a struggle to have a story worth telling. He knew that often the greatest blessings are on the other side of the greatest trials. He knew that sometimes you have to endure the worst to experience the best. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to walk away. And all you need is one good reason to stay. If I was enough for Jesus, Jesus is enough for me. If you were enough for Jesus, Jesus is enough for you. Your enemy will tell you, and I don't know who this is for, but there's something, there's something that you're ready to quit on. Our Savior never quit on you and he will give you what it takes to endure through the trial to see the blessing on the other side. And I wanna close out with a verse we've already looked at and maybe you'll see part of it that you missed the first time. How did Jesus, how did Jesus continue when there are a million reasons he wanted to quit? For the joy set before him, for you, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners. Now, why did he do this? What does this mean to you? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is for somebody. Because of what Jesus did, because of his example, because of his faithfulness, you will not grow weary and lose heart. You will not grow weary and lose heart. You will not give up when everything in you wants to. You will not throw in the towel, you will show back up. You will continue to love when it would be easier to hate. You will continue to forgive when it would be easier to retaliate. You will continue to do the right thing, why? Because you were enough for Jesus, therefore Jesus is enough for you. What was it that kept him going? It was the joy set before him and you were that joy because of his faithfulness.
The tomb is empty. We celebrate life in Christ. To he who the Son sets free is free indeed. For this very reason he came. Who did he come for? He didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. He came for someone just like you and just like me. And because we were enough for him, he will be enough for us. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to walk away. But all you need is one good reason to stay. Father, we ask today that by the power of your spirit, you would encourage someone who's ready to give up and walk away. We thank you, God, that Jesus was enough for us. May he, may he be everything that we need to keep us on the path that would bring honor and glory to you. All of our churches, as you pray today, those of you who would say, I'm a little bit discouraged, I may be losing hope in a certain area of my life, yeah, I've even considered giving up on something, but I believe God is speaking to me and I need his, his power to stay the course. One good reason to stay. Would you lift up your hands right now? All of our churches, just lift up your hands. Father, thank you so much for those today that you brought here just to experience this, your word, your power, your truth, your grace. God, give them the courage, the, the faith to continue on the path. Even when they don't see results, give them the courage to continue planting seeds, even when there's not a harvest. I pray, God, that you'd continue to move them to do what's right, even when they don't see the results they wanna see. A million reasons Satan would try to talk us out of doing your will. God, give us one good reason to stay. As you keep praying today at all of our churches, there are many of you, you're here for much bigger reason. You were the reason that Jesus gave his life. If we sat down and talked across from one another and, and talked about spiritual things, maybe I'd ask you how you're doing spiritually. The, the answers could vary wildly. Some of you might say great. Some of you might say not so great. Some of you might start talking about, well, here's what I try to do to win the favor of God. And here's why I'm trying to be okay. And others would feel very ashamed and dirty about something that you've done. Maybe there's a secret that you've kept for a long time and you wonder how could God even love someone who did something like I did. And what I want you to understand is that God loves you. You were the joy set before Jesus. No matter what you've done, God still loves you. And he, so, he loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus. It was all about his love. Jesus died for us on the cross in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. When he, was, when he rose from the dead, that was so that death, hell, and the grave would be completely defeated. Now, anyone, and this includes you, who calls on his name would be saved, forgiven, completely changed. And all of our churches, there are those of you, you know you need his grace. It's the free gift of salvation because of the perfect work of God through his son, Jesus, on the cross. When you call on Jesus, he hears your prayers, forgives your sins, makes you brand new. He removes every sin from you and God sees you as a brand new person. And all of our churches, those who say yes, I need his grace, yes, I need his forgiveness. Today, by faith, I say yes, and give my life to Jesus. As he gave his life to me, I say, yes, be my Lord, be my savior. I give my life to you. That's your prayer, lift your hands high right now. All of our churches and say, yes, back here, God bless you. Others today who say, Jesus, I call on you. Right back over here, others, Jesus, I trust you in this section. Praise God for you, church online. You click right below me. Everybody pray aloud, nobody prays alone. Pray, Heavenly Father, I trust my life completely to you. Save me of my sins. 
Make me brand new. Jesus, be my Lord. First in every area of my life. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you worship big? Would you worship loud? Would you welcome those today born into God's family? As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to life.church next. You know, in March of 2017, our church was challenged and inspired to live a life of generosity because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But we not only got to hear about it, we got to see it firsthand. And you will too, as we go beyond the message. This is what we do as Jesus followers. We lead the way with irrational generosity. And last weekend, Pastor Chris asked you to consider giving $1 spontaneously. $1 isn't much until God multiplies it and suddenly it does so much. Let me show you one of the things that God did last week through your giving. This one happened at Life Church Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Tell me a little bit more about Sheila. What's she, what's she like? Well, one thing that impressed me the most about Sheila when I first met her was she had a huge desire and drive to learn to read. Heather went on to tell me that Sheila had gone through her whole life with a lower than pre-kindergarten reading level until she got connected with Life Church local mission partner, Reed West. I had a job. I had a good job. It was a janitor job. And it's not hard to clean windows and bathrooms. It's not. But since I didn't know how to read the detergent, what's for the bathroom, what's for the floor, and they found that out, they had to fire me. I, I understand one of the things that was real important to you to learn to read was the Bible. Can you yes. tell me a little bit about that? I know we're here for reading, right? She said, yes. I said, well, good, I brought my Bible. And this is reading. And I want to learn how to read this Bible. At least show me what to do. So then all of a sudden, I started learning how to pick up and find chapters and the verbs and all this, it was exciting. With the help of Reed West and mentors like Heather, Sheila is now at a fifth grade reading level, but her lack of safe and reliable transportation is making it difficult for her to find and keep a job. It's evident that God is doing something significant. As a church, when we see God moving, we wanna throw fuel on the fire to help that grow more and more and more. And so what we've actually done is we have an organization that's local that helps individuals that are in need of transportational help. And so with their help, we are gonna be able to cover all the costs of getting you an automobile, all because we believe that God is doing something really truly special in your life. My granddaughter's always telling me, Grandma, you're always going out there to the homeless people and giving them blankets and pillows, and I never realized that one day it will come back to me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, guys. For the bottom of my heart.
To see any of the messages from the This Is What We Do series or any other message, just go to life.church slash watch. Or you may be a pastor or church leader in need of resources to help your weekend experience. Well, you're in luck because we have thousands of resources available at open.church. You know, here at Life Church, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That statement drives everything we do here as a church as we help people find God and truly find life. <laughs>